Paging Dr. Seiler. Paging Dr. Seiler. If you're feeling run down, tired, exhausted by the daily drip, drip, drip of your life savings draining away, the Stock Doctor's Prescription may be right for you. The Stock Doctor's Prescription will give you the ease and peace of mind knowing that you're getting the best possible information. Do not use Stock Doctor's Prescription if you're allergic to Stock Doctor's Prescription or any of its ingredients, including but not limited to wisdom, research, critical thinking, thoughtful discourse, occasional fart jokes, drinking references, drum solos. Side effects of the Stock Doctor's Prescription may include unwieldy wealth deposits, previously unknown relatives, groupies, extended comfort in your retirement, and swelling. The Stock Doctor's Prescriptions are available at Walgreens, Apple iTunes, and everywhere the better podcasts are available. And right here, this is the Stock Doctor's Prescription. Good day, everyone. This is Lee Seiler, also known as the Stock Doctor, and you are about to listen to the Stock Doctor's Prescription, as we do every week right here. Same bat time, same bat stations, which happens to be your uh, podcasting apps. But on the show today, we have a full group. We have Aaron Simonette. Hello. Hello, Aaron, our fiscal therapist, Jared Bocart. How are we doing? Are you still on hold with the IRS? No, God, three and a half hours. Okay. Well, we'll talk about that in a minute, too. And, of course, our megalennial, Nikki Ward. And uh, the reason I, I asked Jared if he's on hold with the IRS, because, uh, you know, we, we do taxes here at the firm, and, and Aaron, uh, Jared's in charge of that, and he does many of the taxes himself. And uh, I guess there was something with one of the returns that you knew was going to happen, but then when you called, there was a three and a half hour hold uh, the IRS are, is completely understaffed right now, so those are common wait times. But, uh, yeah, it's just different representation stuff that we can do uh, for anybody. Um, I have the, I'm have i an enrolled agent, so I have the same representation rights as CPAs and uh, tax attorneys. So if you have any questions, if you get any notices from the IRS, letters and such, or audited, just come here. Uh, we can usually do it uh, for a lot less than what tax attorneys charge. Not to mention it doesn't have to always be a negative thing. It could also be a strategy to maximize how you can utilize the tax code. And especially when you're putting that with your portfolio, which makes it easier for us with our clients that uh, that allow us to do both of them. It allows us to really make sure their portfolio is in the right spots from a financial standpoint and a tax standpoint. No, that's huge. That's, that's a, a huge point. But I don't really like seeing stuffed animals. You said taxidermies? Do you work with taxidermies? I'm not sure. It was going somewhere. That I was like, what? Terrible. <laughs> I'm not sure. That okay. one fell a little flat. Okay. Um, like my... <laughs> no, don't okay. do it. Yeah, you know, you know how that is, Nick. All right, welcome to the show. We have a lot to go over. We've, uh, And by the way, we're recording this show at the end of the second half. We've uh, Q2 has ended, and it is just after 4 o'clock on Thursday, June 30th, and uh, not a great first half of the year. Are we having fun yet? We're Good having riddance. <laughs> you know, we're going to talk about that. Yes, it's been not great, but it, you have to look at where we were, where we have come from, and then look at where we are now and, and think that, well, you know, we're just going to go into it. We're talk about it. Uh, but we're going to talk a lot about inflation, of course, which is a, a big thing. We'll talk about earnings season, which will start in a week or so. Uh, we do offer here a lot at uh, Silo Wealth Management. We have newsletters. We can do your taxes, free portfolio reviews, risk analysis, which is huge, by the way, especially now. Uh, call the office 407 831 
402-407-831-8002. Again, the uh, end of Q2 just ended five minutes ago for the markets. And, of course, we are heading into the holiday weekend, so the markets will not be open on Monday, July 4th. Right? Monday, July 4th. Mm -hmm. Correct. Okay, yes. Um, so let's talk about what the markets did today. Uh, we were down today 300, I'm sorry, 200, I can't see, 253 points. That's 80.82% uh, at 30,775 on the Dow. The S&P down about uh, 7 eighths of 1%, 33 points at 37.85. The NASDAQ down one and a third percent, 149 points at 11,028. And the Russell 2000 down also 7 eighths of 1%. 14.96 points at 1704. Uh, for the month, we're down over 6% across the board for all major averages, which is not good. June was brutal. June was not a great month. I'm not going to say it's brutal because we've been through more brutal, but look. My neck. Mar March 2020 me was way worse. From whiplash. March of 2020 was way worse. Yet the world was coming to an end. There was a pandemic. Tiger exactly. King was on to distract exactly. Us. <laughs> so that's why we're going to talk about. That's why we're going to talk about why this is not so bad, and why you do not need to be like Joe Exotic, thinking that you're never going to financially recover from this. Yeah, although Joe, um, you know, he's still making his case in jail. He's trying he, to get out. He didn't end up marrying his uh, new prison husband, though. They oh, called he did it not. off. Oh, uh, okay. I've not even heard about that. No, I haven't either. But anyway. Let's uh, stop talking about Joe Exotic. This <laughs> I feel like this just feels worse because it's lasting longer. That the March of 2020 was there and gone. It was mm -hmm. like a blink of an eye. This has been dragging out. For this is your months. normal type of bear market that lasts a little bit. It, you know they last on average six to nine months. We are dead on on the Nasdaq now. We're about seven seven and a half months. But on the on the broad based market, the S and P 500, we are dead on six months. It's our attention spans that have gotten smaller. We, we, we peaked out January 4th on the S&P 500. We peaked out in November for the NASDAQ. So um, the, the S&P had its worst first half of the year since 1970. So let's put it into perspective. Yes, Nick. I'm going to jump right on that because you just mentioned it. One of the quirks about this first half of the year is that we did peak so early in January. In 1970, yes. Stocks had already been falling off. They were down 20%. Right. So it's not the same. It's not the same. It's not as bad as it sounds. I, I think this is really much like a 1994, which I've been saying. But I'm just going back. You know, we're going by calendars. And and you're talking about not a calendar. Well, it's the worst start from 1970. For a calendar. For a calendar. Right. Yeah. And everyone's crying. Right. And it, making it sound so bad. And yet, it could have been so much worse. Because in 1970, we had just had 13 months of being down. Yeah. And we're already down 20% at that point. And we're going to talk about charts and how that plays into what we're thinking right now. But, you know, it is the worst first half of the year. So we'll, we're going to, you know, calendarize it mm -hmm. uh, since 1970. But let's put it in perspective. There's been 13 periods where the S&P 500 fi uh, has dropped more than 20% since 1957. Only 13 periods. That averages... Once every five years or so, we've been saying for a long time, bear markets occur every four and a half, five years. Okay, that's that's been, we've documented that and talked about it. There's something else that jumps out when you look at this data. Most of the 20% drops have occurred in the last 20 years. And the majority occurred around the great financial crisis. We've had in 2007 through 2009, but think about this. 
Seven of the eight worst six-month drops have occurred since 2002. That's a big deal. And, and my belief, I can't tell you this for sure, things move quicker. You have the internet. When, when you used to hear that you didn't have the internet really in 2002, internet trading like it is now. No. You it's just completely did. different. I mean, you barely started having the internet in 2002, 20 years ago. I know. It almost completely crashed. Uh, yeah, I mean, exactly. Remember, 1999. Uh, but when you when you look at it, there is just technology and things move much quicker. When a world leader sneezes abroad, you didn't hear about it, or somebody got sick, you didn't hear about it for days. Now you hear about it instantly because there's a photograph of him sneezing or collapsing or whatever the case may be. There's also a deep fake video of it, too. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yet, despite all that and the bad, significant drops, the S&P 500 is up 270% since 2002. So in 20 years, we've increased over 10, 11% per year in that time frame. Not too bad for having seven of the eight worst first halves of the year. I was going to say, I mean, gosh, the ride from 2002 to now has not been easy either no. as far as the market's concerned. 2000 to 2010 was absolutely miserable. I lived it. The Be lost decade. The lost decade where you went the whole year and you were break even, uh, the whole decade, excuse me, you were break even because you had a big rally going into it mm -hmm. with the techs and then the tech stocks burst. That was the, the tech burst. Then that was in 2000, then 2001, 9-11. Then you started to just recover, and then the financial crisis starts. And I think it's it, it, you're, you're right, though. It has to do with uh, all the technology trading, which can sure. hurt us when things are going down, but also it helps recover faster because they set to buy orders in at lower prices, and then when it hits that, it starts picking them up, and then everybody sees that momentum, and it can kind of carry it, it, it is, out. It is faster on the upside, but as Nikki, you've said before, that the market drops like a rock and rises like a feather. Yep. I mean, it, that's really a fact because we can we, – yes, we've seen big rallies, and we saw a couple of weeks ago where the market rallied 6% in a week in no time. We can see that, and it will happen, and it, it, it we'll see it again. But I do truly believe this is more like a 1994. And we, I showed Nikki and Aaron some charts today. I went back all the way to 1994 and showed how the S&P performed relative to the 200-week moving average because I did a weekly chart. And a weekly chart means is that the vertical bar of the chart is representative of one week, five trading days, or four if it's a holiday, okay? But generally, one week of trading. So we go all the way back and we look 200 weeks, which is a four-year, basically a four-year moving average. And it didn't violate that 200-week moving average very often. In fact, when it did, it was literally a disaster, an act of Congress. I'm being... I'm, Exogenous I'm, shocks. I'm, I'm being facetious there. But it's yes, it was something like like the, 87, the 87 crash didn't even violate it. Mm -mm. But we saw it in 2001. Yes, it violated 200-week moving average. 2008, 2009. Yes, it did. Uh, did it do it, it in Mar touched March? Touched in 11. And, and uh, touched in 11 in March 2020. It violated it. It did it in the late 70s too. I think I it was going to say. Yes. I think in the 70s, but it was very short. Yeah, because we only had total data from 1970. Mm -hmm. We looked at the charts. So my point is, we're nowhere near the 200-week moving average. That's the good news. 
The bad news is we're nowhere near the 200-week moving average. And if we do see that, we have another 10% drop, which I don't believe will happen. Because as time goes on, as this process, the bottoming process occurs, that moving average is also moving up every week. Okay, I, I thought you wanted yep, to say nope. that. I was going to say, that is actually a good sign, though, because we are seeing that 200-week moving average heading upwards. It, it and still not down, is. So. It's still heading up, and, and there, it's always going to head up. It's just whether it violates it or not. So, look, I, I truly believe, and, and uh, for those of you that saw me on Channel 9 this past weekend with Greg Warmoth, you know, the one thing you have to look at is, yes, this is painful. This is not fun. Nobody likes it. Nobody gets excited and say, hey, guess what? Market's down 20%, 30% in the last six months. I love it. Nobody says that. But what you look forward to is, in general, over the last 60 years, from the bear market low, which still don't know if we've seen it yet. Maybe we have. I think it's a possibility we have. But from the bear market low, the market rallies up 44% on average over the last 60 years from the bear market low. I ask you, Nikki Ward, how does that make you feel? I feel euphoric i feel excited to i don't feel excited when i'm looking at my personal portfolio and i see that i'm down but i am excited about the fact that i get to buy good companies at a fair price rather than buying a fair company at a good price okay i ask you aaron simonette how does it make you feel it feels pretty good what? <laughs> being down 30 percent or 20 percent no the uh, the opportunity that of what's what what's ahead because we know in the long term you know nikki says it all the time not timing the market but time in the market we know the long term we're going up right now you just don't look at it jared Bocard, are you concerned about another potential maybe 10 percent downside no i think it's a real, very real possibility um it's when you start that's when people start getting scared though when you start mentioning that after you're already down uh, quite a bit am i worried about it no uh, again it's it's part of being in the market you said it best uh when you said there's 20% drops, uh, there's been, what, 12 of the 13 have been since 2002? Uh, seven, seven of the eight worst were 2002. Yeah. But the, yet, yet the S&P is up 270% in that time as well. So, look. But wait, wait, Lee, how do you feel? No, I, I feel that we're closer to the low than the high. That's the way I feel. Now, I also feel that because the market has, has sold off, now the S&P is at 15 times earnings, which is, pretty stable that's a that's a fairly valued market i don't also believe we're going to see a run right back up to 18 19 times earnings what i think it may take and i think we'll may start that in the next week or so let's see how those earnings if the earnings continue mm -hmm. growth because remember when i say trading times earnings that's a, a it's a uh, basically a synonym for price to earnings ratio pe ratio i'm just it's another way of saying it, but a PE ratio is price of the stock divided by the earnings. So again, let me explain to you. If you have a stock that trades at $10 a share and it earns $1 per share in earnings, that's a PE of 10. So the average PE in history for the S&P 500 is between 15 and 17. We're at 15 now. So we're pretty nicely valued at this point. Um, but it does need that second part of the equation. The E part has to come in. And there's been concern with the Wall Streeters out there that that E part is not going to hit. And in fact, there'll be a downgrade of the E or earnings over the next couple of quarters. Who has a strong dollar on their bingo card? <laughs> strong dollar is going to be a 
problem for all multinationals. That's supply for sure. chain. Uh, you beat me to it. All of them. Murder hornets. Uh, I'm throwing it in not there. Not many. Maybe beehives. I'm not sure. So look, the Fed is is trying to fight inflation, right? And we had uh, their preferred inflation measure came out uh, this morning, I believe. It was 4.7 percent in May, and that's of course multi-decade highs. But the core personal consumption of prices, look, this it does exclude food and energy. The the uh, economists were expecting 4.8 percent, so a little better than expected. Headline inflation remains strong. We know this, rising 0.6% month over month, uh, nearing high levels, highest levels since 1982. Disposable income and inflation-adjusted spending both declined on the month. This is what the Fed is trying to do. They are trying, but I think, and we talked about this earlier, yes, the, and we're going to talk why the Fed's raising rates and, and how it's affecting things, but just the thought of raising rates they hadn't raised rates in January yet. Then the process of raising rates has taken the markets lower. That in itself, a 20 to 30% decline in your portfolio, that in itself does deter spending and could slow the economy down. If you don't believe it, I encourage you to look at your statement when it comes out next week. Look at it and say, oh my. I'm down this amount. Guess what? It's time to go out and buy a new car. Listen, Tell me if you feel that way. I don't think that the American people need any more reason to feel negative. I mean, consumer confidence is in the pits, and it makes sense. I mean, they're running faster to stay even. Yes. And um, look, the, the jobs market is still strong. I heard uh, Kramer saying something the other day. I think it was Kramer. And, uh, you know, he's, he's a sharp guy, and I like listening to him. But... He said that people are spending money. He says spending is, is slowing, but people are spending money on experiences. Freaking millennials. Yes, and experiences don't help the manufacturing economy. It's the services economy. And so it's interesting. I, I just thought it was pretty interesting because, yeah, he's right. I mean, I hear how many people are on vacation or going on cruises doing this. I mean— they want experiences, which I think is ridiculous. Spend money on experience, but anyway, just that's because just me. you don't like vacation doesn't mean you need to. I think it's you know. stupid. Don't yuck on other people's yum. Right. All right. All right. I mean, I've never people. heard that before. That's <laughs> you funny. <say> <laughs> that's good. You people, um, get so, off your porch. Stop yelling at people to get off your lawn. Yes, I would do that too. So, um, look on a monthly basis, the measure was uh, 0.3 percent, slightly lower than Dow expected as far as inflation. Uh, usually, however, and, and here's the thing, folks, usually when you have a six-month period in weak stock prices, it is followed by a recession. And I think I've been, I've been very clear that a recession is not if, it's when. And nobody knows when, but I'm going to tell you, not patting myself on my, on my back, my own back, but I think I'm the first one that mentioned we could possibly be in a recession. This was a couple months ago after GDP came out. I said, first quarter GDP, negative shocked me then they downgraded it and they even cut growth meaning it was less it was it was less growth it's worse more yeah more decline more retracting more shrinkage more shrinkage <laughs> as george costanza would say so now i wouldn't be shocked if q2 which they come out with the gd the first kick of the can they get three kicks of the can of it but the first kick of the can is uh july 28th july 28th 
when they come out with a GDP number, what happens if it's negative? I will be more surprised if it is positive. Okay. Well, what That's happens is meeting, what right? happens is we're in a recession. <laughs> That's exactly this, this the definition of it. It is after the Fed meeting, by the way. Is that the twenty sixth. The Fed meeting, I think, is. I think the Fed meeting is the 26th, 27th or so. I, you guys may want to look that what up. What a fun week that's going to be. Yeah. So the Fed, what we know the Fed's going to do, and they're going to raise 75 basis points more than likely. However, it is going to be data dependent. And I, I highly doubt, and I heard also Kramer say this morning that he thinks it could be 75 basis points and then take a month off mm. to see how things play out. So I have a feeling that the Fed is not going to have to raise as much as we originally expected. Yeah, 26th and 27th. So you said on the 28th is the— GDP comes out. Okay. The question is, will the Fed already know that figure? I think they would have an idea, yes. I doubt it. So, you know, the the I don't know if they're allowed to or not. I don't think so. I don't it's think an, so either. It's an adjusting figure anyways. Like you said, that's just the first attempt at it. They're going to get three more they months They get three more later. kicks to the can, but if it's down negative 1%, you're not going to adjust to positive 1%. It's not going to happen. true. So, like, last time it was negative 1.4. They adjusted negative mm-hmm. 1.5. I thought it was 1.6. Maybe it was 1.5 to 1.6. But it was one-tenth of 1%. I just can't wait, though, because this is – you remind me on this about, like, the girl who's like, I discovered this band before anybody else. Like, that's yes. you about that's GDP me. <laughs> that's and me. recession. That's me. And, and I'm hoping – well, actually, I, I'm hoping it is, actually. Me, too, because then I think everyone's – fear of the chicken little the looming recession the r word is just going to subside because recession sounds really bad and, and you've got 0709 rearing its ugly head right. from the trauma of that we're not talking depression we're talking recession that means things recess not depress now you may be depressed when it recesses Same. however one thing you gotta look at housing prices what nothing <laughs> Did you not like that? It's just like your SAT, like recession is to depression as depression is to recession. No, depression is a clinical condition. Is what people feel when they look at their statements next week. (laughs) Stop looking at your statements. Okay, so um, the the rates have have risen on the on the home side too, and we're really starting to see data. And I'm starting. What we're seeing is automobiles, which is a big problem. Mm -hmm. Prices rolling over. Housing prices starting to roll over. You're starting to see. Some things now, prices are dropping. Inventory for housing coming back up. Coming back up. So what this really did is, is I know people are asking, so when the Fed, if they do raise three quarters of 1% or 75 mm-hmm. basis points, are we going to see a big jump in interest rates? No, because I think the market already knows that. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy, it's like you already said. in. It's already in there. That's why mortgage rates went from three to six, because we already anticipated all those rate hikes. Mm-hmm. We've only had 100 basis points of rate hikes, yet we've jumped 300 basis points in mortgage rates. It's an outsized reaction. So anyway, let's talk about the uh, the. I know most people, their biggest investment is their home. So um, I'm rich right now. Yes, you are. I'm sure. But in um, what they've seen is in rising rates have cost the typical home buyer up to $165,000 in purchasing power since the end of last year. I think, Nikki, you mentioned this one of the last couple episodes of this podcast, that you had rates at uh, in December 3, 3.5%. So this time last year, rates were 2.72%. You mean this time, a year mm-hmm. ago? A year ago. Wow. Okay. So 
And at the end of the year, it was 3.15%. So what we mean by purchasing power is, uh, since interest rates have gone from 3 to 6%, they're a little bit higher than that in the last year alone, actually last six months alone, um, and because of those hikes, mortgage costs have gone up by a median increase of 49%. This results in potential home buyers being able to afford a lot less house. This is according to Redfin. Uh, at the end of 2021, a home buyer with a monthly mortgage budget of 2,500, this is assuming a 20% down payment, okay? They could afford to go and look for a house at $517,000. Now, if you're looking for a house in Kansas or Missouri or somewhere in the Midwest. You're getting one whole heck of a house. You're getting a hell of a house for $517,000. But here in Central Florida or Miami or Tampa or California or New York or Texas, you're not getting, you're getting a decent house for 500. You are getting, for 517, you're getting decent. However, based on the last four weeks moving average of mortgage rates, that same buyer in the end of 2020 could afford a $517,000 house with 20% down is now down to $399,750. That's a $120,000 drop. That's a hell of a lot of house you just lost because of rates. Not to mention, where are you going to find a house for that? For three ninety nine in Central Florida. Well, I it in Not, Central Florida it's gonna be difficult. It's it's insane. I mean, it's also too the cost of owning the median priced home in the second quarter required thirty one and a half percent of the average U.S. wage. That's higher than the recommended ratio for housing costs. We come back. We'll talk more about the housing market. Talk about your four hundred one k's, four hundred three b's. I know people are concerned when they open that statement next week. And we will uh, have a listener question, the millennial moment, all kinds of stuff right here in the Stock Doctor's Prescription. Don't go anywhere. We're coming right back. Hi, I'm Nikki Ward. If you'd like to work with a powerful female financial advisor that's legally bound to do what's in your best interest and will work with you to create a detailed financial plan that reflects your goals and risk tolerance, Give me, Nikki Ward, a call at 888-855-2855 or shoot me an email at nikki at stockdr.com. Hey, everybody, we're back. You are listening to the Stock Doctor Prescription on your preferred podcast app. I looked at the statistics, and most people listen to us on the Apple podcast app. That's because Apple is far superior in all regards. Did you know yesterday the Are you iPhone... Are Are you being sarcastic? No, I, I love Apple products. Oh, okay. Did you know yesterday the iPhone turned 15? I, I saw that. Mm-hmm. That's an unbelievable how it changed people lives, people's lives. It has revolutionized our lives in 15 years. Uh, before the break, we were talking about housing and uh, how the buying power has gone down. You know, it it has affected the, the bigger buyers as well. I, I mean, if you are budgeting your mortgage you were looking to spend three thousand or thirty five hundred. You've lost one hundred and forty one or one hundred sixty five thousand, uh, respectively, in buying power. That is a huge difference. That's a matter of your a pool or not a pool, an extra bedroom or not an extra bedroom. That is a big deal. Um, and we're going to get to Nikki in just a moment and talk about her millennial moment, which is critical stuff. But before we do that, let's go to Travis. Travis in Orlando. He has a question. Uh, he saw me on Channel 9 this past weekend, and 
He said, uh, I saw you in Channel 9 this past weekend, and you said you thought the market could rally significantly from these levels. Is that, if that's the case, would you be buying now? Well, Travis, I don't know your age. I don't know your risk tolerance, but I will say this. If you have any time on your side, I think this is a huge opportunity. This is a, a big deal here. This is a, a monumental buying opportunity when you look two years from now. Don't know if three months from now, I have a good feeling a year from now, but I certainly two to three years from now, it's going to pay off. That's you. You you said what I was gonna say. I was gonna say if you're looking to just make a short term huge gain on it, it's probably not a, a good opportunity. But if you are like, hey, is this just a good time to get in the market for two, three, four, five years from now? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we've seen things pull back. We'll talk about a sector in a little bit uh, that has done that has done great this year and is pulling back. But you hear the music. I see the hands up in the air. There you go, Jared. Jared's doing great. There you go. Aaron, there's no uh, no, no helping you. You have no rhythm, Aaron. So it is time, as you hear the music, for the millennial moment with our megalennial herself. We call her Nikki Ward. Nick. Much like uh, that song, it was assigned to me. Yes, it was. All right. At least, at least you didn't make your own name. Yeah, I didn't really like get Jared a say did. in the matter. Oh yeah, I did not, not make, that. You made up your own name. I, I, I actually, up. I made no, that term you up. Said it, and then I was like, "That's a really good it. one." What were we? Stole what was the it. other ones like? Teacher's pet or some some <laughs> crap? Yeah, like you work with yeah, teachers. No, yeah, no. <laughs> Little brown noser. I don't know though. You think you're gonna go to doctor school? So, all right. So millennial moment. Nothing to me really feels more American. Besides Budweiser and a good old-fashioned barbecue. Love barbecues. Who doesn't? I don't drink Budweiser, but I love barbecues. Yeah, I don't drink Budweiser either. But like when I think of America, like those are the two Baseball, things. Baseball, hot dogs, apple pie, and Chevrolet. Boom. Done. Yeah, there you go. That, that's old school right there. When you know when you think still that America's pastime is you baseball. Know that? No. Blowing stuff up. I was just making fun of you. That was the old commercial. It's all about America. Hey, Welcome to America, where you're passed on baseball, hot dogs, apple pie, and Chevrolet. It was a Chevrolet commercial. Mm. Ah, okay. it was an Oscar Mayer commercial. Nope. All right, so in keeping with tradition, most Americans, roughly 60% plan to grill this weekend, and 53% will be getting together with friends and family. The average cost... Super spreader events? Yeah, of course. <laughs> I am just negative Nick over here today. So the average cost of a summer cookout for 10 people this year, how much do you think it's going to be? Ten people. Ten mm -hmm. people. That includes uh, alcohol? Absolutely not. Oh, seven. Not, oh what? Not, <laughs> not the cost. No, not yet. Okay. Oh. Right. So ten people just barbecue. Them. Yep. Maybe have ten lemonade. People. I'm gonna say fifteen dollars a head, hundred and fifty bucks. I'm gonna go with two hundred. You think twenty bucks a head? What the heck are you? Gosh, I'm I need to go to go a barbecue in Aaron's house. Is it more? No, it's less. I was about to say, like, what the heck? I was gonna go with like seventy five. Closest one. How close? Teacher's pet over here. Okay. Well, 16, if you start calling me that, I will, I, leave, the, I will leave the air. <laughs> I don't want to go to your barbecue, Jerry. 6968. Oh, 16. Okay. For 10 mind. people. <laughs> up 17% from 2021. 69, that's all? For 10 people? That sounds yeah. low. 
I don't, does it not sound low? Dude, just hot dogs, hot dog buns. How much does that oh, cost? Hamburgers. Okay. Yeah, so chips. We're getting there, guys. Okay, all right, oh, we ahead. haven't added that stuff the in cost, yet. Well, oh. no, these, this is inclusive, but the cost of some quintessential menu items have surged. All right, so we're talking ground beef. Two pounds of ground beef has gone up by 36% to $11.12. Yeah, I've noticed. That's one of the things I've noticed in the grocery store. That and steaks. Mm-hmm. Chicken. The price for two pounds of boneless, skinless chicken breasts has increased by 33% to $8.99. And lemonade, the cost of fresh squeezed lemonade, Publix is the best, two and a half quarts has spiked by 22% to $4.43. Really? Price of fireworks, up about 35%. Priceless. (laughs) (laughs) Propane fuel used to power gas grills. Up twenty six percent compared That's to last year. That's inclusive in your uh, sixty nine. No, that was just for the food. Uh, the see, I was including. Out. I was including propane. Uh, see, and that's I was why I came up with that one fifty. And I was All thinking right, sides and stuff too, like potato salad, well, macaroni. Oh, it is. That yeah. is, yeah. Oh, I love. You don't like potato salad? Potato chips, oh deviled eggs. God. I was thinking. Yeah, oh, I love potato. Chips. Had the best oh, deviled there. eggs the other day. I love deviled eggs. I love absolutely love deviled. Love deviled eggs. Yes. Okay, go ahead. So it's not all negative though. The price of strawberries. And sliced cheese oh, went cheese down by sixteen percent and thirteen percent. That's the real question. How much is the alcohol? Is it not up? That's priceless. <laughs> you want me to get together with family and friends? Oh, I'm not doing that sober. Yes. No, no shot. So yeah, I mean, also think about how many people are going to be traveling this weekend. I mean, out of our staff, it's two of us are traveling this weekend, along with forty-two million other people. Expected to travel between June 30th and July 4th. Yeah, at four dollars fifty cents a gallon. I would have thought it would it would be a lot less people traveling. I feel like a lot more people didn't because of the gas prices. No, you still got to look into. There, a lot of people haven't traveled the past few years because of coronavirus, so they were wanting to get out. So, mm-hmm. are you in- including in that they missed work from the coronavirus when they come back? I mean, I might have the Irish flu Tuesday, so. Yes. <laughs> All right. I can't talk. That was Nikki Ward, our millennial, with her millennial moment. I, I do love barbecuing, actually. I love I enjoy it. a backyard, I do too. grilling out. Hopefully there's a pool. Not mine, because I don't want to have to take care of a pool, but somebody's. Yeah, sucks. Yeah, it does. Uh, it's I, a lot of work. I don't take care yes, of my pool. I know. You got a service. Oh, well, I am the service when my dad goes out of town. Yeah, He's like, no, come I'm do my pool. Uh, I am too. All right, before we close things out, uh, let's talk about uh, a sector that... Well, before we do that, I want to talk about retirement accounts, because... Everybody's going to get a notification. Your statement's available probably next week, and you're going to be a little bit surprised, especially if you only get statements on a quarterly basis. And uh, being that, Jared, you work a lot with the teachers and their 403Bs, you know, and we actually manage those portfolios, and you listen to their risk tolerance. Uh, when we do manage these portfolios, we're not just looking in the rearview mirror of the performance of what the funds that they offer how they've done the last year. We are actually, because, hey, everybody's rearview mirror is pretty solid, pretty oh, clear, right? I was going to steal it. Good? You did. But I mean, we actually really have to look. I mean, you, even a lot of folks, Jared, you're noticing, and we notice this all the time, too, in retirement accounts, they usually take a lot more risk than they probably should. That does. I mean, everybody's a bull in a bull market. Um, everybody tries to get aggressive to take advantage of it. It's usually a little bit too late. Um, but... People don't look at those accounts as much, and they don't realize that they're taking a lot of risk. But a lot of people, when they're set up, they don't even know what they're in. 
when you asked him about it, I was like, right. I don't know. It's like it was just whatever was on when I set up the account. It was like, well, what was what was that? And they have no idea. Well, the good news is we can help you because we can work with your four one Ks, your four hundred three Bs, especially if you're a teacher, four fifty sevens, IRAs, etc. Uh, Vanguard did a study, and he one of the companies. There's several companies out there did a study, but the study showed that if you use an advisor to help you and professionally manage those portfolios, you will, over time, do about 3% net of fees better than you would on your own. Doesn't sound like a lot, right? 3% net of fees. But let me do the math for you. So this is what this means in real dollars. For a 45-year-old participant, this could translate to 75% more wealth at age 65. So in 20 years, your million-dollar portfolio could be worth $1.75 million. Okay, let's take it smaller numbers. A lot of people have been working for a lot of years could have $200,000 in your portfolio at 45. So your $200,000 will likely grow to $1.12 million with an advisor and only $641,000 without an advisor. That's the difference between a 6 and 9% annual return bada bing and that's over a 20-year period correct over 20-year period mm -hmm. but on average it's three percent better so i encourage you to call the office 407-831-8002 and let's talk about your 401ks so net of fees always makes me a little confused for net versus gross but i just want to say that 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 number that three percent is after, after they pay us the advisor fee yes so, and not to mention, there are still fees within your 401ks, 403bs. So if you think, oh, well, I just, I can't afford it. I don't want to give that up. You already are paying for it. Yes, you are. And you're not having anyone watch over you, watch your back. And also you don't have a plan. You're, you're flying blind. Yeah. And that's the whole thing. We could do the planning for you and, and put that as part of your financial plan. And uh, before we go, we, again, we appreciate everybody uh, joining us and we'll have uh, another episode next week, but the best performing sector of the year is still the energy sector and uh, up huge year to date, huge. but down over 20% over the last three or four weeks. So there may be an opportunity there. Again, we don't know your risk tolerance, but uh, we'd like to. We'd love to know your love risk tolerance. To. That was something I've been big in is energy. Yeah, and it's been doing well. The last few weeks, not so great, but it may give you a second look. It's, it's pulling back to the 200-day moving average. Individual stocks I like in the sector, Occidental Petroleum, Devon Energy, the two ETFs, the XLE, and the FXN. So uh, interesting ideas. Certainly, we can help you with that. 407-831-8002, everybody. Again, you're listening to this after the long weekend, so we hope you had a fantastic weekend and look forward to a great week. We'll see you then. Happy birthday, America. Hi, I'm the Stock Doctor. As a thank you for listening to the show, we'd like to offer you a little something for free. Ideally, we would like you to trust us to manage your money. But if you're a hands-on type who wants to make those buy and sell decisions, you can still benefit from my decades of experience. Call 888-855-2855 and ask for the Stock Doctor's 30 Tips for Investing. 888-855-2855 and we'll send you a free copy.